Welcome to the Word from the Ancient Path, stories and sermons for the journey. A channel of blessing for friends everywhere to experience how the Holy Spirit moves ordinary people into an extraordinary calling, bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom of God. The Word is declared through the pastors and partners of Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua, founded in 2011 in Jovellanos, Cuba, by pastors Jose Santiago and Yamile Cruz. I'm your guide, Pastor Kevin Job, and my wife, Tani, and I serve as chief connection makers and storytellers in the United States. Our team is dedicated to planting and nurturing churches and to spread the reach of the gospel. We pray you'll be blessed by these teachings and testimonies of what God has done and is doing in and through us. Jose Santiago, a founding pastor of La Iglesia Volviendo a la Santa Antigua, left this life and entered the arms of his Heavenly Father on April 3rd, 2021, in the midst of Cuba's worst days of the COVID-19 pandemic. And he left behind a legacy that not only includes a large ministry and our beloved pastora, Yami, but also four sons, each in his own way is seeking to continue their father's legacy. Now, the youngest of these sons is David, or David. As of the premiere of the streaming of this episode, David is a couple of months shy of his 19th birthday and preparing for medical school studies. Now, he told me recently that while he has some time during a year of conscripted social service between high school and his next round of study, he's going to take every opportunity at hand to read, to pray, and to seek time in the things of God. And you're about to hear some of the first fruit of that effort. In the spring of this year, David Santiago Cruz made his first appearance in front of our home church as a preacher and a teacher of God's Word. Today and next week, we're going to bring you the Word of God through young David. The Spanish version was captured during our main weekly worship service on Saturday, March 4th, and is in his own voice. And it is my privilege to give my best effort to capture the spirit of his message in English. Hallelujah. I've given this meditation the name, The Love on the Cross. One night when I was reading the Word, the Lord just simply brought this to me, and it has become the theme of this message. It was the middle of the night, and all of a sudden this stuff started coming. And now my mom was right next to me on her bed trying to sleep. And she's like, boy, what is going on with you? You should be sleeping. I'm trying to sleep. But there I was, focused on writing down what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And then Wednesday night... I walked up to my mom and told her I wanted to preach on Saturday night. So, here I am. Just like that, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Thank you so much for giving me this space. Um, uh, well, first of all, I wanted to bring us into the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, 33 to 34. I'm in. Okay, the Word of God says, uh, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon... Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, those are tremendous words, aren't they? Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked yourself why Jesus said those words? Jesus literally says, God, why have you forsaken me? Now, wait. I mean, isn't this supposed to be God's son? So go with me for a minute to Psalm 22, verse 1, where it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? 
my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. And you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted you, and you delivered them. And to you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. And so we find ourselves presented with a prophecy right here. A word to speak to what happens when people call on the name of the Lord. See, here's Jesus. He's, he's on the cross, and the very first thing he says is this quote from someone crying out to God. He echoes the words of David crying out to Jehovah, remembering when Israel cried out to God, and they weren't forsaking. You see, when a just man cries out to God, the Lord hears. But what's happening at this particular moment with Jesus is that God's son, his Messiah, is on the cross, and God then abandons him. Now, how can it be at this moment that the most just man who ever walked the face of this earth is saying, why, why did you forsake me? Well, okay, maybe most of us could say God left him there because he had to complete his purpose. He had to save us. He had to bear the weight of all our sins. But that doesn't exactly complete it, you know? Listen, on the cross, Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Most High, became sin. So he was for that moment what his Father, your God, most abhors. This is exactly what Jesus becomes. Are you listening to me tonight, church? The spotless person. The one who did not sin on this earth went to the cross to become what your heavenly father most abhors. He took on all the sin of humanity. Let me try and help you with this a little bit. The unity of the union of the father with the son was something perfect. It was something glorious. And when Christ came and bore all our sins on that cross, his communion with God was destroyed because the son had become sin. And God cannot invite sin into a perfect relationship with him by his side. It's pretty rough stuff, isn't it? The perfect son became what his father most hated for a humanity that, at least in that particular moment, wanted him there on the cross. Uh, For a humanity that was made up of the people who put him there. For a people who could have chosen a thief like Barabbas, right? And when granted the choice of which man to kill, they chose the incarnation of Jehovah. And so, indeed, his ministry is working out the completion of its purpose in perfect unity with the Father. But being on the cross and being sin is also carrying out his purpose. And so in this moment, his perfect union with the Father is destroyed. And Jesus is forsaken for now in order to carry the weight of what you and I deserve to suffer. Go with me now to uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, 32. It says this. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter and James and John along with him. and, And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. 
Going a little farther, he fell to the ground, and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. We're going to take a moment now for a short break. Stay with us for more on the ancient path. In Ancient Path Ministries, we hope to carry the light of the kingdom of God into places where it is most needed. To see people set free from what holds them captive. Now, our ministry is built on connections in Christ, and our financial foundation depends on the regular partnership of beloved friends such as you. And if you'd like to be a covenant financial partner or contribute to the work of the ministry, I encourage you to visit our website, ancientpathministries.org. Check out the church in action and see how you can be part of bringing good news Connecting in Christ and building the kingdom. And we're back. When we left, Davidi's about to ask some questions. Here we go. Let me ask you another question. I want you to keep something in mind as we go. It's something I've thought about quite a bit. Maybe you have as well. What does the cup mean to you in this passage? Why do you think that Jesus asked the Father for this cup to pass from him? Now, what do you think this cup must represent if Jesus is asking that God takes it away from him? Now, at this point in the service, people shared responses to David's question. And they speculated that it's possible that for Jesus, knowing that he would carry the weight of sin, he might have to step outside of their perfect unity. David continued. So maybe a lot of us thought that Jesus was afraid, right? Because he knew what was coming next, right? The crucifixion, the chaos, the crown of thorns, the earth cracking open. I mean, maybe he feared because no one had ever before been through what Christ was about to experience. Now, I'm going to unpack that a little bit, but first a little um, parenthetical sidebar here. It has been recorded that in the first three centuries following the death and resurrection of Christ, that there would have been many Christians who indeed took up their crosses and became martyrs and died just like Jesus. And many of them, perhaps the majority of them, felt the agony of the cross on the streets of Rome. Now, by accounts, some or all, maybe, at least the great majority of these early martyrs, crucified and dying just like Jesus, went to the cross singing songs of rejoicing, singing and glorifying God. They knew they were going to their deaths, but they also knew that they were not bound to stay there. They knew that on the other side of death and suffering, their reward was coming. They knew that for those who have Christ, to die is gain. Okay then? So for those of you who thought, maybe Jesus said, let this cup pass from me, keep me from that crucifixion and all the physical pain that he was going to feel on the cross to carry all of that sin. Let me ask you something. Do you really believe that Jesus Christ was less courageous than all of those other ones who took the cross? Going to their deaths without fear, singing because they knew that soon they would see their Redeemer in heaven? Do you think that our Savior was less courageous? The captain of our salvation is going to have a moment of panic. That's crazy, right? Look, here's the thing. The cup of Gethsemane represented the wrath of God and the anger and the vengeance of God against our sin, the punishment that we still deserve to this day, all of the anger and the vengeance of God toward us was directed instead at Christ. Listen, church, he knew that on the cross, he was gonna be separated from his father. And this is what brought him to say, let this cup pass from me. He knew he was gonna carry the sin of the entire world. 
but he was going to have to carry it without the Father. Look, there's a certainty that we can have right now, that we will walk through this life and we'll struggle through a thousand situations, but underneath it all, we can say, wow, I have a God. I have a God through whom I can do all things. But in this moment, Jesus knew that he was going to carry all the sin of all of humanity, but in the absence of his Father. And that's really what was hurting him. He said, let this cup pass from me because figuratively and implied, he was saying, I'm not going to be with you in this moment, Dad. Now, this reminds me of one day during conversation between God and Moses. God said to Moses, hey, listen, Moses, I'm about to give you everything I promised you. Everything I said is coming is about to come. I'm going to send my angel out ahead of you all as you go. The promised land and all of that, it's coming, but I'm not going. I won't be with you. But then Moses, well, he said, like, listen, well, like we've sung so many times in that song around here, if your presence does not go with me, I'm not going. Moses actually understood what we should understand. That in this world with so many material things all around us, one thing is the most important thing. Moses truly understood that God's presence is the most crucial thing that we can have in our lives. And so here, in this difficult moment in Gethsemane, Jesus wasn't preoccupied with completing his mission. The thing that brought him such great anguish was that he would have to go through the most difficult moment in his life on earth without that perfect communication with his father. And you and I, going through so many different situations in this life, we've got a decision we can make. We can often feel like we're, we're in a tight space, but thanks be to God, he says, I'm with you in everything. And in the end, regardless of whatever moment or process we're going through, the most important thing to know is that God says, yeah, I'm going through it with you. And this is a great blessing that sadly many people who stand outside of relationship with God can't even enjoy. But us, we can count on it. Imagine if Jesus had refused to be separated from his Father. Well, then we would be too. And so finally, if for Jesus the most important thing to him was relationship to the Father, why wouldn't that be so in our case as well? The greatest suffering of Jesus, our Christ, our Messiah, during his time here on earth was the singular moment of being apart from the Father. Listen, I know the suffering of being separated from my dad. And God wants me to tell you something tonight. Now listen to me. You don't need to go anywhere if not with God. We need to long for his presence. We need to yearn to be near to God. And if Jesus was willing to be separated from his father despite all that agony, and if he did so so that we could be in perfect communion with God, then why in the world wouldn't we draw close? If Jesus allowed himself to step out of perfect unity from the Father with the singular purpose of opening up a way for you and I to have this same kind of relationship with our Abba, our Daddy, Father, why wouldn't we do it? I mean, we can know the Lord, you and I. Those who stand outside the faith, they don't know him at all. But us... Those of us who really have a relationship with God, we, we talk a lot about the victory of the cross and so many high-minded things, and we don't pay any attention to this. Jesus separated himself from perfect relationship with the Father in heaven so that you and I could have this perfect communion with him too, to make us sons and daughters. So why can't we take an extra five minutes every morning to simply be in his presence? And this, friends, brings us to the end of our time for today. Thank you very much for being with us. Once again, be sure to check out our webpage, ancientpathministries.org. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ancient Path Ministries. I'm Pastor Kevin Job for Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua. And until next time, we pray God will bless you richly. Go and be the church.